Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Liz Manischel. And I'm Mark Brissell. This week, we are excited to welcome writer-director Amy Taylor to the show. Hello. Hi, Amy. <laughs> can I speak now? Yes. Yes. It's you me. Can speak. Okay. You're allowed to talk. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so Amy's a filmmaker who um, is from Virginia originally, I believe, and then was in Los Angeles for... How many years, Amy, were you in L.A.? Yes. Um, like six, I think. Oh, about. wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with me, all six of them. That's right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, now, and now she's back in Virginia, but she's still pushing her uh, filmmaking career forward. And she made a feature. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to really talk to Amy about, like, what it's like to have been in Los Angeles and, like, starting a career there and then have to move away and then but keep your career going and and not let just because you're not in Los Angeles you know stop you from you know progressing things in your filmmaking life basically um so yeah <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a journey <laughs> back yeah, and forth across yeah. the country um, but before we get started on and all that, Amy, can you just give us your quick one minute bio of your background of like, you know, who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so let's see where to start. I guess um, I went um, undergrad at Princeton and I got a classics degree. Um, and then I was like, well, I don't actually want to do that. So that was a waste. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so I, I really wanted to do film. So um, I did this a screenwriting program at a place in Virginia called Hollins University. It's a summer program. Um, it's really great. Um, and then that helped me get into a film production program at Ohio University. Um, and once I was finished with that, I moved out to L.A. Um, and I worked with Liz on Just Seen It. Uh, and I was doing an internship at the time um, with this company called Spirit Clips that I think has since been bought by Hallmark. Um, and they did sort of, they did short films that were inspirational. So not really m my thing, but <laughs> I got a lot of good experience on sort of the production side of things, production coordinating. Um, and then I wrote and directed a web series um, I did a Kickstarter to raise money for it, and that was 2015, I think. Um, and in 2017, a script that I had been working on for quite a while got chosen for the blood list. Um, so that was exciting. And then uh, I moved back to Virginia, <laughs> and I shot a film there. Nice. So I have one big question. Uh, well, a lot of questions, but the first question is, what's a classics degree? <laughs> um, basically, it prepares you for academia to teach other people classics. <laughs> so it's like Latin and Greek, um, and you can focus on either sort of literature or history. Um, and yeah, I had wanted to do that from a very young age because I, re I really liked Latin in school because I was a big nerd. Um, and I still really like it. It's pretty fun. But I, I think I had watched Indiana Jones one too many times because um, classics is a good background to do archaeology, of course. Um, so I thought for a long time that I was going to be an archaeologist. And then I went on a dig in Pompeii in my junior year, I think. And it is not, uh, not quite as exciting as Indiana Jones would have you believe. I didn't get to punch any Nazis. 
so I was like, well, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do. I think <laughs>、right. I just want to make the movie. <laughs> I took away the wrong thing from、oh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> I didn't want to be、hilarious. an archaeologist. I wanted to story be a storyteller. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> nice, awesome.、Uh, and then, so here, where to start with this story? Liz, do you have any particular <laughs> questions or focus you want to go in direction? Amy, your classics degree isn't all for naught. I mean, you.、Um, I, I've read a script of yours that involves some sort of monster, maybe rooted more in religion than in mythology. But、uh, you know, there's still something to take away from there. But can you talk a little bit about how it has shaped you, shaped you as a writer?、Uh, well, I think. I mean, I was always really interested in mythology,、um, and that's storytelling, you know, basically, and.、Uh, So many of the, you know the great works of literature come out of those myths.、Um, so I think it it definitely helped me figure out how storytelling works、um, and what are the big you know who, who I don't know who it, who says but there's like、um, you know there's only like twelve plots or something. I don't think that's the right number, and I don't know who said it. But <laughs> the gist is that there's only so many plots.、Um, And those are all; those all come from mythology,、um, and these stories that they tell over and over. So I think that that really helped me, sort of,、um, yeah, just understanding how to tell a story and what you need to tell a story.、Um, and then I was always really interested in—I'm <laughs> going to get real nerdy—on、um, intertextuality.、Um, so the way that like more modern stuff relates to,、um, you know, ancient stories and how texts are interacting with each other. Um, and that's you know that's what you're doing in film really because film is、um, you know it's just another way of telling stories so it's、um, always relating back to the past and to those early myths、um, so I think that certainly gave me a great base、um, to go from and I think for for all the kids out there classics is a really a great foundation for any sort of education、uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to belittle it.、Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I think it, it's really about storytelling and learning how to tell a story、um, just by reading.、Um, yeah. Well, I love that.、Nice. See, that's a real reason. Yeah. Well, they always talk about like you know if all you do is filmmaking and all you focus in is in is like the industry, like you're not really going to have like a lot of stories to tell because you didn't really have anything. You know, in your life to base your stories off of, besides like going to film school and you know being a PA or or whatever, you know. So it's good to have other backgrounds and interests, and to have a degree in something like classics is probably like you probably draw from it all the time, even if you don't know it. You know, it's just something that's like helping you, you know, form who you are as a as a filmmaker and a storyteller. You know. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I certainly. I'm very happy that I have all these experiences before I went to film school because I went to film school fairly late.、Um, not that I'm ancient, but <laughs> I didn't just go straight from undergrad <laughs> to film school.、Um, so I do have, you know, some different experiences that are not just,、um, you know, the normal sort of film school stuff. So I'm grateful for that, and I also think that.、Um, Oh, I was going to respond to something you said, and now I forgot.、Uh, what did you say? <laughs> you said something great about、um, nuts, life experience, and、um, oh,、mm. <laughs> and something. It was really great. 
Uh. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah. so the, getting to Los Angeles, like, so you because you went to film school in Virginia, right? You didn't go to film school out in L.A.? Um, I went to the screenwriting program was in Virginia. Um, and then the film production program uh, was in Ohio. Oh, OK. Um, but so, yeah, I until... didn't get out to L.A. until after that. So then when you graduated uh, the program in Ohio, was that when you moved to Los Angeles? Yeah. Nice. And what was that experience like? Like when you came out to L.A., like how did you get your footing? How did you get into a position to even, you know, get an internship? Like what was your steps? (laughs) Well, it was I mean, it was the scariest thing I think I had ever done. Um, But I had a friend from school who wanted to go out there. So um, we just planned to do it together and we drove out there together and, you know, look for an apartment. Um, And it was sort of like if you don't do it now you're going to get stuck, you know, doing something else while preparing to go out there. Um, And then it's going to be, you know, 20 years and you still won't have done it. Um, So, yeah, so we went pretty much right after um, he graduated. And then, oh, how did I get my internship? I mean, I think I was just responding to things on Craigslist, (laughs) to be honest. And, you know, I hadn't had much luck. And then, I don't know, I just hit it off with the interviewer. Um, And she she was a USC alum, and it was a bunch of USC alums. Um, Oh, nice. And they were all super nice, and so we sort of hit it off. And then they're actually, one of them was how I got involved with Just Seen It, because she, um, the creative Just Seen It is also USC alum. And, of course, Liz is USC alum. And so they had seen a posting for that and they knew I was interested in directing. Um, You talk about just seeing it as if it's this thing that anyone has ever heard of other than you and me. (laughs) I know a bit from the links that I I found. I didn't want to overexplain it. it. Was it like a a web show or something or a TV show? Like what what was this thing? So it's a movie review show. and it was on, well, I guess it's still up on YouTube, but it was also on PBS for a while and on Hulu. Um, and Liz was a reviewer um, and a bunch of other USC people. Um, and it was really fun because I would come in and direct segments for each review. And it wasn't, um, you know, it's not narrative film. So it's sort of a different way of directing. But it allowed me to flex that muscle a little bit um, while I was still doing the internship. Oh, that's awesome. Did you getting- get the... <laughs> yeah so it was a lot of fun and I got to meet a lot of very cool people um Liz of course uh and yeah and so a bunch of other people that I'm still friends with today and um it was a great way to sort of integrate into LA when I didn't really know anyone um and get me out of the house <laughs> to go hang out with people um and get to know the city and all that so nice And so what was your primary um, way of making money when you're in Los Angeles? Was it through your internship or did you later get a job through that same company? Like, how did you pay your bills? Uh, Well, at first I was doing a lot of coverage. Um, And I don't know, should I explain what that is or? Yeah, please. (laughs) We've we've talked about coverage and and we've had a whole episode uh, with the professionals uh, script what do they call them? Script coverager? I don't know. That's not the, that's not the right term. <laughs> a reader, uh, I guess? I don't that's know. Someone who, yeah, a reader. Yeah, a professional <laughs> reader. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to hear. Just give us the whole lowdown. Okay. Um, well, yeah, so coverage is, um, uh, the first 
people I was doing coverage for was the Nantucket Screenwriters Colony, because um, my professor had gone there and they were looking for readers. Um, and at film school, I was the uh, graduate TA for the screenwriting course for the undergrads. Um, so she recommended me to them, and so I was writing coverage for them. Um, and then when I got out to LA, weirdly, like the first night I was there, they were having this big party um, for the Screenwriters Colony, like 10th anniversary anniversary or something. Um, and so I went there and they introduced me to some people and there was some people from Film Independent, um, maybe a couple others, I can't remember. Um, but they introduced me as someone who could be a reader um, and luckily they were looking for readers at Film Independent. Um, and then later I was reading for the Tribeca um, Film Institute. Uh, and so that's how I initially was making my money uh, because they would have rounds of reading. Um, and basically, so the, the Film Independent had a, I think it was a screenwriter's lab, um, is what they had. And so, you know, people send in scripts, and I'm sure they get <laughs> thousands of scripts. Um, and so they have readers who sort of eliminate, or they don't eliminate, but they'll give recommendations. Um, and sort of write up a little summary of, you know, this is what the script is about and here are the strengths and weaknesses. Um, and do I recommend this move on in the competition or not? Um, so that's what I was doing a lot of. And then um, my internship did, it never developed into a full-time job. But since they were shooting a lot of short film projects throughout the year, uh, they would need help, basically. So I was sort of a production assistant and then moved up to sort of production coordinator. Uh, so I got to get a lot of experience on that side of things. Um, and then let's see how else I know it's a lot of little odd jobs to make money. Uh, what else did I do? So hmm. you're like a freelancer, just like kind of picking up whatever gig you could, Pretty um, whether much. it be script coverage or whatever other thing that would come your way. Yeah. Nice. Did you talk about you... L.A. Hair? Because I, if you oh. did, I missed it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, so uh, one of the other reviewers on Just Seen It, her sister um, was the star of this reality show called L.A. Hair, which is about a hairstylist in West Hollywood and sort of the shenanigans that happen in a salon. And so she was looking for a social media person. Uh, and so I worked as her social media person for quite a while. Um, I'm not technically still doing that anymore, but she does oh, have wow. some like sort of different projects uh, that I help her with. So that's sort of been a long-term <laughs> um, nice. way to make some money. Um, but yeah, it's a and lot what, of cobbling what do you together. Do as, a, as, as a social media person, what, is, what do you do? Um, well, so I would create graphics and um, the copy for posts that would promote her show um, or highlight because uh, she does a lot of big name stars. And so, you know, you'd want to highlight those in different posts um, and just generally keeping up her social media presence, responding to fans. <laughs> Sorry, fans. It's probably not really her responding. Um but I would have talked to her enough to sort of get the idea of like what her voice is and what she wants to say to people. Um, wow. So, and then how many followers did she have? Um, I'm trying to think. I think she has, well, I'm going to say 
She had close to 100,000 at the time on Twitter. Um, oh, wow. I can't remember. It's probably gone up since then. Um, and then how does that work as far as payment? Like, do you get paid per post or do you get paid just like a flat fee that you agree upon? Like, how does that even work? Uh, well, th- we just did hourly, um, an hourly rate. So uh, okay, it would be like, okay, you know, it took me two and a half hours to prepare the posts and schedule them. Cause you know, you can schedule posts on, um, Twitter so that you don't have to be doing it throughout the day. But, uh, yeah. So it took me that long to do them for this week or whatever. Um, yeah. And then I just send a, an hourly sort of accounting of my time and that's how I got paid for that. But, and then Amy, you also like did the closed captioning for our show. Like, there were just gazillions of small <laughs> oh, yeah. jobs that you had to, you know, or you elected to cluster together, right? So in terms of your life in LA yeah. and your life now, do you miss the hustle? Did you resent it? What what, what do you feel? <laughs> um, I mean, it was tough and it was always like a base level of anxiety of whether or not I was going to be able to cobble in- together enough things to pay the rent for the month. Um, so I don't really miss that so much. Um, and I do have more time to concentrate on my writing. (laughs) I do feel like that sort of, that sort of anxiety makes you constantly, um, be searching for the next thing that's going to actually pay you instead of being able to sort of sit down and say, all right, I'm just going to devote the whole afternoon to this script Um, because I would always feel guilty that like oh you're not you're not applying for jobs or searching for jobs but in spite of that like I feel like a lot of people can empathize with you because if you're whether you're in LA or not (laughs) a lot of artists are are hustling to 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 like get their projects off the ground and doing like 15 million jobs in order to just get the chance to get the project. So you did all that and then did your web series and then did a feature. So how, how is that possible? How, what can, like, I guess what advice can you give to other people who are facing the same kind of challenges? <laughs> um, I've, ugh. I think you just, you have to decide that you're going to put aside the time and you're not going to feel guilty because you know that you're doing the best that you can to get jobs that will pay. And so, and it's not that writing is like a waste of time. Like it's an investment in your future. Um, Like this is what you want to ultimately be doing. So if you're not going to put in the time with the writing, then what are you even doing out there? Um, You're just going to be living forever, cobbling together all these tiny jobs and not doing what you really want. So there's that. And then, I mean, I think I was in a writing group with Liz um, and that helped enormously just to have an accountability, accountability buddy, Uh, (laughs) you know, a whole group that's going to say, all right, you need to have written, you know, 10 pages this week at least. And it was like, okay, well, I don't want to look like a big loser in front of all (laughs) all of my friends. So, um, you know, I'm going to hammer out these pages. And I think that also helps you not feel guilty because it's not like you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for other people um, because you're accountable to this group. 
and you owe it to them to write these pages um, so you're not wasting their time. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, and it, it, a big part of it is deciding that this is what you're going to do and not putting it off anymore. Um, and even if you can only write, uh, you know, a sentence a day, that's still moving forward. And before you know it, you'll have, you know, completed a script. I guess that's my best advice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, I mean I think th- th- that's good advice just to like keep it going, you know, and yeah, just, you know, motivate yourself and have others to help motivate you. That's really great, you know. Um what I want to talk about now is now that you're like so like leaving Los Angeles basically. And I know that it's for you it's kind of more of a personal thing of why you had to leave. Um but do you want to just talk about that a little bit like you know, having to leave what it was like to leave and then, and how you adjusted when you had to make that, you know, transition. Sure. Um, well, so I had to leave, um, LA cause my parents were having some health problems. Um, and I just needed to be closer to them to help out. So in a way it wasn't much of a struggle to make the decision because it, it just felt like something that's, you know, this is just what I have to do. Um, and I have to figure out how to make it work. Um, and, it was difficult to find a routine, I guess, especially because I'm, <laughs> I am living with them now. Um, and that was weird after living sort of on my, with just a roommate uh, for so long and not having to tell anyone where I was going, <laughs> just leaving at all hours or whatever I wanted to do. And now it's uh, more like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to the store. <laughs> I'll be back soon. Um, so that was difficult. Um, but it has I mean since I'm living with them I look on the bright side I don't have to pay rent Um, so I don't have that's a huge anxiety that's been released um, at least for now (laughs) and so I do have more time to write now that we've sort of figured out what the routine of the day is Um, and so that's been very helpful and I've um, gotten a lot more done in terms of writing than when I, well, I guess equal amounts, but I've been here a shorter time. So <laughs> I guess my, my pace of writing, it has increased. So that's good. Um, and I was very worried, of course, that, you know, once I left LA, it would be like, I never existed out there and I would sort of lose all of the momentum that I had, uh, created. But I think, even more now than when I first moved out there, people are willing to sort of work with you even if you're in a remoter location. Um, because when I first moved out, it was sort of like, well, you have to be in LA or they don't want to hear from you. And now it's like, oh, well, sure, we can Skype. Um, you know, I'll take your call even though you're not in LA. Um, so even, you know, oh, really? the That's technology <laughs> within the last six years has helped immensely. And I don't think, I don't necessarily think if I hadn't moved to LA, I would be able to, you know, have a phone call with someone. Um, so I think that I probably did need to live there at least for a little while first, um, just to make the connections that I did. These are contacts that you met. Yeah. You met these people in Los Angeles originally. Right. And now you're just following up and continuing conversations and stuff. Right. Yeah. 
Um, nice. So uh, there is still a little bit of, you know, you need to be in LA for a little while at least. But on the other hand, um, the thing that I did, I don't know if we want to move into, if this is a different, <laughs> well, I was going to talk about um, the blood list, which I think having my script selected for yeah. that has been the single most like helpful thing for my career. Well, talk to us, what is the blood list um, <laughs> for the, for us who don't know? And, and yeah, t- t- tell us this whole story. So the blood list is a list like the blacklist, but for genre films. And I think there's two categories, one where you pay to submit. And these are people who have representation, I think. Um, and I think that's, like the blacklist is that the process for the blacklist that you pay to submit and then they make the lists from that i think but <laughs> but then well there's... i think the the blacklist is like more complicated to me because okay. i feel like there's the blacklist which is like this list of all the really popular scripts that you know um everyone has been passing around for that last year which is like a special list mm-hmm. and then there's the blacklist website which was like derived from the blacklist which is a paid service where you can upload your script to the to this blacklist and then you know people can find it and you know producers are apparently on there looking for scripts and then if you get a high enough rating through the blacklist through their coverage then your script will suddenly become in demand which i've actually seen happen to writer friends of mine who like have gotten eights out of tens on the blacklist and then are suddenly getting calls from people you know oh wow being yeah. like i want to read your script um so i don't know how the bloodlist works if it's the same way if it's if it's a there's a paid subscription and there's a specialist or if it's just one thing that you pay for that you submit through i, um, I don't know but well, so yeah it's not sounds like something i should know same. more about <laughs> but it's I, I don't know i can only really speak to the free service they offer um because you can submit your script for free which is what i did because <laughs> i was very poor um and so they will not guarantee that they read it because it is for free and they get a lot of submissions but if they do read it and they like it, um, they'll put you on the fresh blood um, list, which is sort of separate. So there's sort of a list with writers who are repped, and then there's a list of all unrepped writers. So that's what I was on um, when they picked my script. And so that was, I mean, producers do <laughs> go through those lists definitely because I got oh, wow. um, several calls and then. Um, you know, I, I wanted to direct and that was a big uh, hitch in the works because, you know, they didn't really want this unknown person to direct. Um, oh, funny. and then finally, um, I got a call from some producers who convinced me, um, <laughs> to sort of let go of the script. Um, and so they optioned it. Um, I can't really talk. Oh, wow. Like, I can't really name names um, until they officially sure. announce stuff. But um, they, yeah, they seemed to really care about the project and were interested in what I had to say and keeping me involved. Um, so that sort of convinced me to let it go. And I thought they could do a good job with the script. Um, so, yeah. And then they um, have recommended me to a manager who I talked with and who knows if anything will happen with that, but you know, I've never 
manage to get through to a manager or an agent or anything like that in all the years I was in LA. So, um, wow. yeah, the bloodless, awesome. uh, that was probably the most helpful thing that <laughs> I've ever done in terms of my career. And then, uh, did you get on the blood list before you, um, left Los Angeles or was that after you had already left? Um, let's see. I think it was just after I left. Um, cause oh, I wow. had submitted. No, I guess I submitted after I left. Well, I can't remember exactly when I submitted, but <laughs> cause I had left shortly, shortly before they announced basically a couple months. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was back in Virginia. Oh, wow. And then that script was like a script that you were really passionate to direct yourself um, from when you first wrote it. Yeah. I thought this will be okay. the script that I make my first feature or second feature if I can't, you know, get it done. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Awesome. Well, and then, but you eventually were like, okay, like, let me just let this go. Take the option and and just you know be okay with someone else directing it but like in doing that when you optioned it did you get any other kind of like words in your contract that would say like oh well you might not be the director of this project or you won't be the director of this project but you will be an executive producer etc cetera, etc cetera. or was it just purely they option the script and then it's like up to you know just your relationship with them to see if you get any more involvement with the project um, yeah, the contract itself, I think, doesn't have a ton that sort of specifies like, oh, you get to do this and this and this. I mean, it's a, I think it's a fairly standard contract. Um, right, so I'm sort right. of relying on trusting them. And so far it has <laughs> worked out. But, um, you know, we had discussed extensively like, oh, okay, can I be on set? Um you know, and sort of shadow the directors um, and be involved in the process. You know, even if you don't want my feedback at any point, you know, tell me to shut up. But I'm I'm there to give feedback, but I'm also there to learn and observe. Um, and they were very open to that. And the uh, directors that they currently have attached um, were very open to that as well. So I feel very optimistic Um that if nothing else, it'll be a great learning experience um, that I'll get to, you know, use this moving forward and and hopefully, you know, make some great contacts. Like I've had discussions with the directors and they're very open to, you know, hearing what my thoughts were when I wrote it. Um, oh, nice. To make sure that they're... So they already have... Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, just I, um, to make sure that they're executing you know the vision that i had and also if they have any changes that they're not changes that i you know object to um and so far we've really been on the same page so right, right. that's been great so they already have directors attached to the project then yes um that's awesome yeah it's moving forward slowly but surely um so we'll see i mean yeah, all the option stories I hear are like they option the script and then it's like they never hear anything again about it at all. Well, they seem optimistic about it, um, so I'm 
I'm optimistic. Can, can you talk, Amy, about the caliber of directors that are on this? Are these people who've done movies that we've heard of before? Um, or are they more unknown directors? Like, can you say anything about who they are, or what type <laughs> of filmmakers they are? Um, I would say that um, they're sort of up-and-coming, like, exciting directors. Um, the fact that I've said oh, directors fun. probably narrows well, yes. it down a little bit <laughs> if someone yeah. really wanted well, to like investigate they could figure it out um, but they well, had... there's a lot of there's a lot of co-directing teams these days okay. so you know <laughs> but they had a a film that made a splash at one of the genre festivals i think oh, um, nice. recently and they sort of yeah so i would say they're up and coming and if if it's not my movie that you hear about from them, it'll be a, a different one because I think they're, um, you know, they they're a very interesting um, pair, and I think they have a lot of interesting ideas. So you'll hear about them one way or another. <laughs> nice, yeah. I, uh, I I so I know the the company that you're with, um, you know, just because we talked. But mm-hmm. you know, well, I I won't say anything. But obviously, what I was going to say was that like if you knew if you heard the name of this company, you, you would recognize the movies that they've made and like maybe even their name potentially. So it's not like it's a small little no one company. It's like, this is like a real exciting deal, you know, <laughs> um, with like, you know, really exciting people um, involved. So that's why, you know, I just want to make sure that people understood that it's not like, you know, Cracker Jack production productions, you know, out of Wisconsin. It's like, this is, <laughs> this is a real production company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Um, they are a very real company. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I had gotten some calls from possibly some companies that weren't quite as real. So I'm glad I right. held out <laughs> for them. Well, I want to talk a little bit about some of the projects that you took on yourself as a producer and director and whether you think they helped this major change in your career or um, will you keep making, you know, movies like Hunter's Weekend or series like Just Versus, um, even if you become this big fancy person now because of this new deal? (laughs) Yes. I mean, the ultimate goal is for me to be writing and directing um, so I don't want to give that up. Um, but I think that, I mean, if this script does well, I think I'll have more opportunities to direct. And I think that having directed a feature can only help me. Um, and the more that I have to show people, I think that can only help me like, oh, have you done this? Yes. Look at this. Look at this. I did this and this. I have 20 scripts. I have this and this. Um, you know, and a little bit of that is as a woman, I feel like I need to over-prepare, uh, cause no one's gonna, I don't know, no one's gonna hand me anything and like really take a chance on an unknown person, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna continue, um, directing. I, I've written another script that I think I, I could shoot for very little money. Um, that will probably be the next thing I direct at some point. I'm not exactly sure (laughs) when, um, but I'm hoping that, you know, maybe I'll be able to find a little more money than I did for Hunter's Weekend. Um, and we kickstarted part of that, 
Um, and Kickstarter is great, Seed and Spark, all those crowdfunding things, but it's also the most stressful thing. Uh, so I kind of am hoping that I won't have to necessarily crowdfund again. Um, but I don't know where the money will come from as of yet. So I'm sort of waiting to see how this, um, how this option script shakes out. Uh, and if I get any opportunities from that, um, maybe someone will give me a small amount of money to direct. We shall see. <laughs> so, so can you, I know, I'm sure you don't want to discuss the actual numbers of what the option was, but can you give us a sense of how much you got paid for your script to be optioned? Like, is it in the tens of thousands, less, more? Like, what, what, <laughs> um, what are we talking here? It's less. Um, the option okay. itself is not, I mean, it's a nice chunk of money, but yeah, it's less than 10. Um, if it goes into production, I will get like a real, a oh, real amount real of amount. money. <laughs> wow. Um, that's exciting. So yeah, that would be amazing. And then, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about contracts, but, <laughs> but there's like, you know, you get a set amount for the option. And then if it goes into production, you get sort of a very nice, uh, chunk of the budget. And then if, depending on what the credit for the screenplay turns out to be, if you get sole credit or if someone else, um, if you get partial credit, like 50% credit or whatever you would call it with someone else, um, you get bonuses based on that. So, um, there's also that potential of like, not just the amount if it goes into production, but a bonus on top of that, depending on what the ultimate, um, screenplay credit turns out to be. Um, and then could it potentially be like story by Amy Taylor and then written by Amy Taylor and Aaron Sorkin, you know, with that like potential? <laughs> Don't give it away, be... Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> it's Aaron Sorkin. No. Um, yeah, I guess that's how it would be because the directors are taking a pass on it. Um, although I, I don't know. This is, this is the first time I've ever, you know, been involved in something like this. So I don't know exactly how it works and sort of reading the WGA guidelines of like what constitutes someone getting an additional credit on your screenplay. Like they have to change uh, 50% or more of, you know, what is a substantial change? Um, so I'm interested to see how that plays out because all the things that we've talked about so far yeah. have not really been substantial changes. They've just sort of been little tweaks or, um, expansions on what's already there. So I am, this is going to be very interesting, I think, to see how it all shakes out. Um, cause I don't have any experience with that at all. Um, do you think that, I mean, okay, yeah, I have an agenda. And my agenda is I want you to say something about how none of this would never have happened if you were stuck in Los Angeles and you're so <laughs> glad you're in Virginia. Um, do, do you agree with that statement? Do you think that a lot of the progress you've made is due to the move or are you frustrated and think you would have been further along if you were in LA? Um, hmm. That's an interesting question because I think... I think this would have happened regardless of the move because it was sort of already set into motion by being on the blood list. Um, but I do think 
if I was in LA, I would be able to pursue more things um, like a like a regular staff writing position or something on a television show or director for higher stuff. Um, but being out in Virginia, I can't really <laughs> do any of that. Um, or it would be much tougher. Like, I don't know, would I move back during writing season? Like, I don't think anyone's interested in someone with that complicated of a <laughs> issue. So it's like those regular type of jobs. Um, I think I would have more of an opportunity if I was in LA. But being out here, I'm able to concentrate on, you know, just what I want to do. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's like, could you have made Hunter's Weekend in LA? Not in LA. No, I definitely would have had to come home to shoot it. Um, cause it's just too expensive to shoot in LA. I mean, I didn't have to get any permits. I shot it all on my, well, most of it <laughs> on my parents' property. Um, cause we have a big house out in the woods. Um, and, you know, so I didn't have to pay for any permits. The most I had to pay for was to feed cast and crew. Um, and if I hadn't had to try and shoot in L.A., it would have been impossible. Um, well, let's not say impossible, but much more expensive and therefore <laughs> very prohibitive. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I recommend getting out of L.A. to shoot things <laughs> unless you just have a huge budget. Um, Everyone come to Virginia. Yeah. We have a, well, we have a film office. They filmed, um, I think they filmed that John Adams miniseries here. But they, and they're filming oh, yeah. something else soon here. I think that's apparently a big deal, but I haven't seen the details on it. Um, but yeah, I feel like Virginia is a good place to come to film stuff. We have, you know, beautiful rolling green hills, uh, lots of different terrain. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is now a commercial for the Virginia Film Office. Um, but yeah, and it's... it's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I was going to add, I wanted to ask some more Hunter's Weekend specific questions. You know, like, like once you move to Virginia... Like, was that always the plan to, like, make that movie or that type of movie, like, when you came home? Or was that something that you decided to do, like, once you were there and, like, you were like, okay, what can I do? And you're like, oh, I can make this movie. It was it was always the plan. Once I realized I was moving, and even a little bit before, I was tossing around the idea of, oh, what if I just took, a you know, a couple of weeks and went home and did this um, and then came back to L.A.? Um, but once I knew I was going home, I was like, all right, well, this is happening because I need to prove to myself that I can still do this stuff while I'm living in Virginia. Um, and if I move without any sort of plan, I'm worried that it will fall by the wayside. Um, so yeah, it was important to me to shoot it, um, and then, yeah, what was what was the rest of your question? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was it. It was just like, you know, were, what was it, you know, this thing that you wanted to do beforehand? It sounds like it was. Like it was yeah. part of your plan when you moved back. And so how did you how did you do it? Did you just – how did you – you said you raised the money via Kickstarter or, or crowdfunding um, partially. And then you sort of – did you self-fund the rest of it? Like how did you get this movie made? 
Yeah. So, I mean, so the budget was very small to begin with. So that was good. Um, but then of course I had my uh, security deposit from my apartment in LA. Um, so I used that and then we kickstarted, uh, basically the rest. Um, and yeah, and I just, I knew actors who would come and work with me and I knew we could get equipment from Ohio University, um, who has been very nice, um, both with the web series I shot and this film, they provided all the equipment, um, and we wouldn't have to pay for it. So that was a huge, um, blessing, I guess, that, uh, they let us do that. And so... We were able to keep the cost down and we kept the crew very small uh, and the cast, well, it's not really, <laughs> I had meant to write just a very small script with two people, but then I can't seem to stop adding ancillary characters, but, <laughs> but I knew actors who lived fairly close, uh, so they were able to like come out for a day or two. Um, and yeah, and we just sort of made it happen together because we had all worked together before and you know we all want to keep making movies um so when the opportunity presents itself they're always willing to come out and make it happen and my parents have a pool so i was like come hang out at the pool and in your spare time shoot a film <laughs> nice <laughs> i love like the same incentives for making friends in middle school are like the incentives for making this feature it totally is yep i was like i'll make tacos and you can swim in the pool <laughs> and then now that the movie's done and you've shot it and it's edited and, and all that, now what are you doing with it? Like, are you doing the film festival circuit? Are you trying to get distribution uh, for it directly from distributors? Like, what what is your, your angle? Well, this is the part that I don't know what I'm doing at all. So we're doing the film festival circuit. Um you know, we've gotten into a few smaller festivals um, and we'll be playing um, at two more. We're in the Women Texas Film Festival in August and that'll probably, I'm assuming that'll probably wind up the festival circuit. Um, and so I don't know, you know, going from there, I've talked with Liz about this. Uh, so she's probably sick of hearing it, but you know, I don't know Me. what to do for distribution. So basically my plan is, um, I like Seed and Spark a lot and I like what they're doing and their whole, whole sort of philosophy about independent film. Um, so we discussed sort of a two pronged approach of putting on Seed and Spark, um, for streaming and then also to do Amazon, um, and, you know, for the, I'm not expecting to make any money off this. I mean, it costs so little to make that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter <laughs> at this point if I'm sort of making money on it. Um, I'd rather have the, you know, Seed and Spark is very transparent and they'll give you data about who's watching it. And so I'd rather um, sort of have the support of a distributor like that um, and learn so for the next one, I'll have a better idea of what I'm doing <laughs> because I do not know what I'm doing with distribution. Um, it's, you know, the, I did a web series before and we put it on YouTube and that was sort of the extent of it. <laughs> so what to do with a feature? It's like, well, let's not put it on YouTube. Let's try something else. <laughs> um, 
So um, blindly. Have you, have you, you're blindly submitting. Yeah. You're blindly going out there Pretty in much. the world with this plan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what have you thought about reaching out to distributors directly to see if anybody wanted to make an offer on it? Um, or have you not taken that plant that route at all? Um, I haven't really taken that route. Um, I don't know. I'm just very wary of distributors. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, we, <laughs> with my web series, we did have it up on Amazon prime and that was through a distributor. And I, and that was right about when they started, um, what is it called? Amazon direct. Where, Amazon video direct. Yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you Liz, um, where, you know, filmmakers, filmmakers can upload their own stuff. So I was kind of like, okay, well, did you have a, did this distributor have a deal or did they just use direct, which I could have done myself? Um, right, right, right. And then they would never give me any information about like who's watching it or any kind of data. And I was like, I just want something to help me promote it. Like, I want to help you, like, help me help you. <laughs> um, right, right, right. And they just, you know, just weren't really interested in that. They just wanted to sort of slap it up there and see what happened. Um, I was like, that's not, that's not very helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a little shy of distributors. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's, I mean, a lot of films end up being passive income for a distributor that is just not for an inactive distributor, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like what you're saying, like they're just going to throw it up there and then you're just making them whatever money you're going to make regardless of being on their team or someone else's team. So I really like the idea that you want to contribute your value to a company you believe in. Mm -hmm. um, but but you know that I'm more than happy to make introductions <laughs> to um, yes. distributors that I think are decent or that you know what you're getting into. Um, um, for Hunter's Weekend. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, yeah, I don't know why. I'm and you're like, uh, reluctant. thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, it's great, but it's also like, uh, I don't know. I just don't know if I can trust anyone. <laughs> trust no one. Um, right. Yeah, I'm just, ugh, it's like, I don't know this game. And I don't know. It yeah, go ahead. <laughs> for, for, for Amazon, are you thinking of doing Prime or are you going to sell it on Amazon like for rent or for bot to buy? Well, I mean, this is probably a good question for Liz. I mean, I've read things that say, um, you know, don't just give it away at first, you know, put it up there to rent, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be. I don't know what the going rate is because I don't usually rent stuff on Amazon. I just watch whatever is on Prime, yeah. whether or not it's F a good film. Four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine seems to be the pretty standard rental price for any movie. Mm. You know, I mean, I um, I would maybe put it up for a a lower price. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. But I've read things that have said like, yeah, don't don't just give it away for free at first. You know work the system, put it up for uh, a cost and then 
see how it does and then later you can put it up for free i mean that's the going that's the philosophy that's the regular party philosophy because if people the only time people are most likely going to be paying for your content is when you immediately release right because they want to see it first mm -hmm. so you might as well grab that money as soon as possible so you could go exclusive on a platform that gives you the best split so like if you were to go on vimeo for like a month transactionally, this is me getting really nerdy again, <laughs> um, you would get the most amount of money, but then you don't get to say, we're on Amazon, you know, yay, right, right. But then when you do Amazon rentals and you're doing it by yourself through your own, you're just putting it up on your own, you get to keep, keep all the profits, you know, and so you don't have to pay anybody, which... Yeah, but Amazon takes a fee. Yeah, but how big is the fee? It's about 30% if, if, if I know, but in Vimeo's take is about 10%. Oh yeah. So, and you get to set your price on Vimeo. So that's the only reason it's like, if you really want ultimate, you know, maximizing of revenue and flexibility and control and analytics, you know, you go on something like Vimeo, but people aren't flocking to Vimeo to go right, discover right. that, you know, really cool films and watch them whenever they want. Can, can you set your price on Amazon or, is, or do they set it for you? I think you can. I'm almost positive you can, especially yeah. if you work with an aggregator. But the issue is that I've seen Amazon change those prices without asking for the filmmaker's oh, permission. Oh, really? And I've also heard stories where Amazon Video Direct um, has failed the filmmaker essentially where a title will get taken down from Amazon without the filmmaker being notified. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's like, there's shit that you have to deal with in every circumstance. And I, Amy's totally right to be wary. Um, but I also don't want people to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like nihilism, but it's not, it's like anticipating everything will just go to shit no matter what. <laughs> right. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my whole philosophy. I, to, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want that for you, Amy. That's all I'm saying. Um, but also, yeah, there's something you said about moving on to the next project. So Amy and I, well, I'm always here. Amy. We can always talk about this. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. something, well, I think that's an interesting point about moving on to the next project is that it is such a long period that you're with this project. And at this point, I'm exhausted to be honest <laughs> and like you know I'll watch the movie and I still love it and I think it's very funny but it's like oh man I've been you know I wrote the screenplay then we shot it then I had to edit it and then you know all these applications to film festivals and now I now I have to have the emotional and mental capacity to figure out what to do for distribution and it's like man it's a lot. I don't know. I mean, I, of course, I, this is not necessary. Well, I guess it's typical for an indie filmmaker to be doing everything um, themselves. But, you know, it's like if you can get a little money yeah. to pay someone to help you with any one of these things, like it, it's probably worth it because it, at the end of the at the end of the ride, you're you're just so exhausted that you, you know, you're just sort of like, fine, just put it up on anything, whatever. Let's just finish. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times, like, filmmakers, they have a feature. It's done. It's been made. It's edited. It's ready to be released. And then 
you know, they don't necessarily always follow through with all the things they can do in order to sell that product that they have. And because it really is a product, like a feature film, you know, and especially if it's a genre movie, like it's a product people want. So I think giving things away for free on YouTube or, you know, wherever or just going directly to Amazon Prime and not charging for it. I think those are things that we should stop doing as filmmakers and we should start trying to maximize the return on our investment and our time investment in our films, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I mean, you know, and I think if you, if you want distribution, like that's also a totally fine thing. And I think getting a distribution from a typical distributor is a totally fine way to go. I mean, I understand being wary of them and understand like, you know, you're not necessarily going to make the most back on, you know, uh, for yourself, like it's going to go to other places. Um, but sometimes it's not really about the money. It's about the exposure. And so maybe that is worth it in the end for certain filmmakers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think either way, like you can, you can leverage that film to get you to another place in your career, whether it's, yeah, going with traditional distribution or just like maximizing the return on your investment through, yeah, Vimeo, like Liz was saying, or Amazon or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, it sounds like you're in a good spot, basically. <laughs> it's, and it's. Yeah, you're going to do what's best for you, Amy. And I think you should always follow your instinct as an artist. <laughs> it's, that's, I mean, ultimately, that's what I wholeheartedly believe in. So. Well, and it's interesting. Maybe if this film, I mean, there's no name cast, um, and it is sort of mockumentary style. Um, which I think actually lends itself well towards streaming as opposed to like, I, I'm not interested in trying to get a theatrical run at all. Um, cause I just think it's, it's not the type of film that's necessarily served by being on the big screen. Um, you know, I think it's a fun film to watch on your computer. Um, and the fact that it doesn't have any name cast, I think makes it, I don't know. It's a harder sell for distributors, I guess. Um, as if I know, um, but I assume, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and so I, I just feel like I want to get, I want it to be out there. Um, and for it to be sort of the easiest way for people to watch it. Um, and I think any barriers to watching it i want to try and do away with so like right paying for down. it like that's just another barrier and not that i think i i mean i'm fairly sure that i will put it up um on amazon with a you know to rent at first before going for free but um basically i just want it to be seen because <laughs> everyone right, did such right. a, you know put in the work um and they deserve to have it watched. Um, so I don't know if I'm explaining <laughs> clearly. No, no, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but and then also with like well, a different, like if I went with Vimeo, it's like well, not everyone necessarily has a Vimeo subscription. I don't know right, if you need a, a Vimeo, Vimeo app, subscription. Yeah. To, yeah. So it's like that's you know, another you barrier. Don't a, you don't need the subscription, but if you're going to watch on your TV, like mm. not everyone has a Vimeo app on their right. TV, but most everyone has Amazon through their TV these days. At least I do. Yeah. I mean, so it's just an easier way to watch something basically. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're running out of time here, Amy. So, um, Liz, before we wrap this up, you have any final questions for Amy? Nope. 
questions, but just a recognition that the movie is good and nice. that people should Aww, see it. And I've you. seen it and support Amy Taylor. Aww. Yeah, I saw the trailer. I really like the trailer. Um, so I guess the most important thing now is to let people know where can they find you and, you know, what do you want? If people want to check your workout, what should they check out? Should they watch the Hunter's Weekend trailer? Should they go to your website? Like, where, where should people be going? Mm, let's see. Okay. If they go to my website, then they will be able to find all of my various things to watch from there. Um, so my website is amytaylordirector.com. Amytaylor.com was already taken, as was most of the other permutations of my name. <laughs> um, so amytaylordirector.com. Um, and then you can... I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's at Walking Candy Apple. W-A-L-K-N, Candy Apple. Um, <laughs> nice. And that way, you know, you'll see most of the latest news of what's happening and where you can watch Hunter's Weekend eventually. Um, awesome. Yeah, that should do it. Sweet. Well, uh, well, thanks, Amy, for being on the show. It was a really fun conversation. And congratulations with um, everything that's happening with your script and this option and potentially getting it made and working with these directors. I mean, that sounds so exciting <laughs> and all happening from Virginia. So to prove uh, one of the long, long lasting messages of this podcast is that you don't need to be in L.A. to be a filmmaker, um, which is one of the things that we were Timothy and I were always passionate about. Um, and yeah, but that was a lot of fun. So if you, you got all the, the links to find, uh, Amy's work, but if you want to check out our website, you can go to makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to, well, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MMIH podcast. And I'm Ulrich B on Twitter and Instagram and Liz Manischel, where can people find you? They can email me, just LizManishall <laughs> at gmail.com. Because you're not on Twitter right now, which is blowing my well, mind. I'm on Twitter. I'm just private. You're private. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane to me. I know. Just for like one to two more weeks. And okay. then I've, I've like saved so many drafts of tweets, you guys. Like I'm ready to go. Oh, you're going to hit it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Watch out. Nice. <laughs> Um, and if you like this, if you like the show, you can tell a friend, you know, send a message to tell somebody, you know, at work or wherever, um, you know, share it on Facebook or social media of any of, of your choosing. You can also leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, which is also extremely helpful or just a rating. Ratings are good, too. And uh, Amy, thanks for a great episode. And Liz, thanks for another fantastic episode. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.